Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. One. The hits literally keep on coming. From one boxing event to the next, they grow in excitement and anticipation. And this weekend is no different with two of the sport's most respected fighters stepping into the ring Saturday night. There is no better place to get in on all the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all new users a shot at turning $1 into $55. To celebrate this weekend's huge event, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering new users the opportunity to get 55 to 1 odds on either main event fighter to win this weekend's fight. That's bet $1, and if the fighter of your choice wins, you cash out $55, just like that. Plus, with basketball and hockey playoffs right around the corner, DraftKings Sportsbook has even more ways for you to make it rain. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable, meaning you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use TBPN when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can bet $1 to win $55 on this weekend's main event. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out for new users by offering the chance to win $55 when placing a $1 bet on this weekend's big fight. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. in playing for something <laughs> three things I didn't think I'd say about the Sacramento Kings at this stage of the season but even though it's still a, probably a long shot all of those things are still in play for the Kings coming off of their four game road trip uh, 4-0 road trip first 4-0 since woo, when it's been a minute it's April 2003 so some of these kings were in elementary school last time that happened. Uh, oh, where are my manners at? What's good, everybody? This is Jason Jones uh, bringing you the latest episode of the Ruler of the Court podcast, 
where I rule the court, talking about the kings, talking about hip-hop. A lot of 90s hip-hop, but I'm going to you know, fast forward a little bit for this episode. And just whatever else comes to mind. And of course, uh, the Ruler of the Court podcast is brought to you by the Basketball Podcast Network. Uh, hope everyone's having a good week. Uh, by the time you hear this, the Kings will be prepping for what some, I believe, uh, Marshall Harris uh, on the media Zoom called the biggest game in Golden One history, which is <laughs> saying a lot considering, I mean, it speaks more to just how sad overall the basketball history has been for the Kings because should the Kings beat the San Antonio Spurs Friday night, they would pull not within, you know, a tie for division lead, not, you know, a game within fourth in the West for home court advantage in the first round. They would be one and a half games out of the 10th spot. Yeah, but still don't want to just piss on what they're doing. This is, this is a big deal for this team, especially given all that's happened in the last couple of weeks. Uh, you lose De'Aaron Fox. Uh, health and safety protocols. He's still in that bag. You lose uh, Harrison Barnes right before this road trip to a, they're calling, you know, basically a, a, a groin injury, you know, adductor, you know, groin area injury. You lose Chemezi Metu, who at that point was starting, you know, first game into the trip. He's still in that bag. Second game of the trip, you lose Tyrese Halliburton out for the rest of the season. Well, as the team, as the team put it in its release, the regular season. So, all that being said, the Kings went out. Uh, one, like I said, hadn't one that hadn't gone undefeated on a four-game trip in over 17 years. And not only did they do that, we also did. They actually played defense for like a string of games. Like they they held an opponent under 100 points three straight games. And how crazy is that? Just, just think about it. This is pro- statistically on course to be the worst defensive team basketball has ever seen. They've had some just astronomically bad performances on defense. A complete regression from last season where for the first time since the Rick Adelman days, the Kings did not finish in the bottom third of the league in defense. People forget about that last season. The defense actually was, was kind of okay. You know, was it the uh, bad boy Pistons? No, but it wasn't what it is now. So all, under all of that, somehow the Kings, you know, have something to play for. With six games to go in the season, they've got something to play for. So I don't know if it's a congratulations. I don't know what you call that, but it's a big, it's a big deal. It's a big deal for this team just because. If this team essentially had packed it up and said, we don't want no more of this, you know, I don't think anyone would have uh, held it against them, you know, because, well, the team's bad, you know, you got a bunch of injuries. What else would this team do? But this team has showed some resolve. They've showed some fights and I've criticized them multiple times for not having. Hell, I criticized them a week ago, I think it was, for not having any fight when they let the Utah Jazz have them down by 54 points and just basically make a mockery of them for an entire game. So it's not like the 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 criticism wasn't warranted, but the one thing uh, Coach Luke Walton has said all year is this team has a lot of fight. They have, and they they are trying to get better. 
and clearly they have not given up on, on this season. You know, I think after the Oklahoma City win, which would have been on Tuesday, DeLon Wright, you know, was asked about the whole postseason idea. He said pretty much losing nine in a row in April pretty much ended all those hopes. But they're going to keep playing hard and see what happens. So now they've done that, and it's time to see just how this Kings team will respond to actual pressure again. Because in the past, whenever they've gotten around that in that situation where you could say they might be near the postseason race or they're inching up back into it, they're above 500, they've just they've shit the bed. They've just done that on themselves repeatedly. You know, they get above 500, lose nine in a row. You know, win seven of eight, back in contention for the for the play-in, lose nine in a row again. I don't. I mean, as, as bad as some of the Kings teams I've covered, I've never had a team lose nine in a row twice in a season, I don't think. And then throw into the fact they had a stretch of losing nine and 11, too. Of, no, nine of 11, should I say. That's 27 losses, like, in one clump right there. Outside of that, they've been, they've been a decent team. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? You break it down. So... They have managed to, um, you know, to, to make this thing happen somehow at this point. You know, with defense, with some grit, with some toughness, with some things that we just hadn't seen. And the first thing I want to talk about with this whole postseason talk is what it says about their coach, Luke Walton, and his coaching staff. Now, Luke has faced his fair share of criticism over the last two years, uh, there are a lot of people who believe essentially that Luke Walton is holding this team back. I don't quite understand that take that you look at this you know, franchise top to bottom and you think Luke Walton's the biggest problem. But yeah, there's people who believe that somehow this team would be so much better with Luke Walton gone. I don't agree with that, but what the hell do I know? But, but one thing that has been evident even through all the ups and downs of the last couple of years... That the guys have been with Luke. They've stood by him. Even when Buddy had his moments, you know, it wasn't like Buddy quit playing because he was playing for Luke. You know, so, you know, and the guys have, he has not lost the locker room. And for me, when I look at whether or not you should fire a coach, to me, there were two, you know, outside of the obvious of he's just not my guy. I inherited him as a new GM, which is. Could be an argument for Luke. You know, he is with a new GM this season. But to me, there's two factors you got to consider. One, is this team underachieving in way, in ways that would be fixed by a coaching change? Like, is this team, you know, you know, 10, 12 games worse because of this coach? I don't see that with the Kings. I don't see a team that, with a different coach would be drastically better, especially given the roster is not drastically better than any other year that the Kings have been here. Or at least not in the last, what, 14, 15 years it hasn't been uh, drastically impacted by that. So that's one. And number two is if, if said coach has lost his locker room, essentially the guys have tuned him out you know, that there's a disconnect and that disconnect has led to a lack of effort and there's no going back. There's no fixing it. I think we might have saw a little bit of that when the Kings went at Indiana. You got assistant coach Greg Foster going at a player on the sidelines and all that. 
basically you 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 know you got Discord and the Kings don't have that. And to their credit, with all the um, all the losing and all the things that have happened, they don't have that you know that situation. And it's 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 harder to gauge this year, obviously. You know, the member of the media were not in the locker room, were not around the guys, and some of your best intel comes from actually being around the guys. So we know we we really don't know intimately, but you know, you you make your phone calls, you do your due diligence, and everything I've ascertained is that Luke Walton has not lost this team, he has not lost his locker room, and it's evidenced by these last four games. They haven't stopped playing for him. So it'll be interesting to see what these guys do going against the Spurs. And even and should they lose against the Spurs, how they respond? Do they keep playing harder? Do they, or maybe do they then go into the let's pack it up mode? I don't expect them to, but you never know. So I'll be curious to see just how they come out, how they play, win or lose, how they look the next game. Because what's been the problem with this group is that once they hit a bad spot where they lose a game... Generally, it just goes down the toilet quickly. And when a team becomes good, they're able to take a loss, shake it off, and get back. And this team hasn't shown it can do that consistently. But, hey, if they beat the Spurs, you won't have to worry about that anyway. We shall see. And I just kind of touched on just kind of the resolve of the players and how they've stayed with the coaching staff and they haven't given in even with all the injuries playing three te- of three teams on that road trip were all teams fighting for playoff position. You had the Lakers trying to avoid the play in tournament. You had Dallas trying to avoid the play in tournament and you had Indiana trying to stay in the play in situation <laughs> and they beat them all. Then they also beat, you know, a depleted, you know, Oklahoma city team. And it's easy to kind of dismiss that win, I guess from the outside. But the fact is, this Kings team has been so bad at, on defense at times, they can make even that team look good. So you have to give them their props, you know, where it's doing. I think it's doing that case. And just in terms of the players, there's three players I want to highlight just for their play on the trip and what their play right now means for the future. Because, you know, even though they're still playing for something now, you always got to keep the big picture in mind when you're looking at this team and the roster and how everything's built out. First, I want to touch on was Marvin Bagley III. Uh, had two solid games. One eh, game, they still won, you know, and then he had uh, a pretty solid game, his first game back from the, the missing 22 games with the broken hand against the Lakers. And the last game, 31 points, 12 rebounds. And we're getting to see Marvin Bagley featured in the offense, it's because no De'Aaron Fox, no Harrison Barnes, no Tyrese Halliburton. You got to, you know, run stuff through somebody. And if anything, we know, we know Marvin is a very talented offensive player. His main issue has just been the injuries. And we know that given, you know, enough opportunities, Marvin can score. And he's been doing that. He's been scoring and, you know, rebounding. And he's been getting things in the flow of the offense, which is, uh, you know, which is really what the Kings have been looking for, you know, that they've really wanted to see, you know, can Marvin get what he needs to get through the flow? And, you know, lately he has. 
And like I said, you can't really knock, you know, can't say much bad about how Marvin's played lately. And it's good for the Kings to see that Marvin can do this because I'm not of the opinion that Marvin is definitely going to get traded, that Marvin is gone, there will be no Marvin. I don't believe that. I think part of it is is due to the market out there. I don't know if there's a real high market for Marvin based on the injury past. And also, I just think the Kings owe it to themselves that $11.3 million to, if you're going to move on from Marvin in the future, at least know all you can about what you got. And what you're seeing now with that, you don't have to just dump the ball in the Marvin to get him going. He can, you know, he can get the ball in transition. He can get the ball, you know, off of cuts, you know, moving through action and get good looks. So, and also, you remember this too, he's playing next to Rashawn Holmes right now. And that was one of the questions people had about Marvin was, could he play next to Rashawn? Or would, you know, he be better, you know, as a backup five, essentially, behind Rashawn and letting Harrison Barnes play the four? But I think we're just, we're getting a good glimpse of what could be in the future with Marvin and his skill set. If, as long as he continues to build on this and improve. And just via Zoom, Marvin seems to be in a great space. He's enjoying himself. He said he loves his new teammates. He loves the team. And again, I think probably the tweet of the week of last week was Team Bagley tweeting out 2021 playoffs, Sacramento Kings. So it sounds like um, the Bagley family is planning to be around for a little bit longer than just the, the next few games of the season. Next up, another guy I want to highlight, DeLon Wright. I acquired at the end of March at the trade deadline, part of the deal that sent Corey Joseph to Detroit. DeLon was in a uh, kind of a, I won't say tough, but an awkward situation. He's been a starting point guard in Detroit all season. He's used to being a primary ball handler. That's what he does. That's what he's done. He comes to Sacramento. You got De'Aaron Fox, you got Tyrese Halliburton, and you also got a team that runs a lot of stuff late in games through Harrison Barnes. So DeLon's got to figure out what he can do to fit in, get in where he fits in, get in the mix. And being down two point guards has really given DeLon a chance to run this team, run this system. And the man's then, he damn near got a triple-double in his first start. You know, next game, he, you know, He's great on both ends of the floor. Had 10 steals in his last two games. He's blocking shots. I believe, this is my, my like, naked observation, naked eye observation, let me make that clear. <laughs> but uh, he is able to affect the game defensively with his length and athleticism. And I think it really helps team to see, you know, it's one thing for the coaches to say, we need you guys to do this, do this, do this. But now you're seeing what it looks like when a guy who's been in the league for, you know, DeLon's you know, six-year guy, you know, still been in the league longer than any of the Kings guards, I think. You know, yeah, any, I think he's been in the league longer than Buddy, too. Yeah, this is only Buddy's fifth year. So, you know, a guy who's done it for a while, and you see him doing a lot of the things they've asked the Kings guards to do as far as the dirty work on defense, going in to get rebounds, what that can do for the offense when you got your guards going in there rebounding and initiating. I just, this has been a really good stretch for DeLon and more importantly, a good example for everyone else, you know, for a guy like Ty to see more of that. Even for De'Aaron, who wasn't on the trip, he was at home. But just to see how that 
what that looks like more. Obviously, the line's bigger than De'Aaron, so he maybe physically can do some things differently on defense, but I just like the effort, the style, and kind of the way that DeLon is going about carrying himself on you know on both ends of the floor, especially on defense. I think that's a big reason why this team is talking about having something to play for uh, against the Spurs. And the last player I wanted to highlight, shout out, whatever you want to call it, was is Buddy Hill. Now, Buddy Hill has had a lot of criticism over the last couple of years. And a lot of it's been warranted. A lot of it's been deserved. I mean, when he began the season by saying, quote, motherfuckers say I don't play no defense. You're damn right. Hell, I was one of them said you didn't play no defense. Hell, everyone could see you didn't play no defense. (laughs) That wasn't like a, you didn't have to be a high-level NBA scout to watch a Kings game and say, buddy plays, buddy is terrible on defense. You know, he's criticized for his lack of ball handling, you know. You saw that just not that long ago in that Warrior game in San Francisco where he makes a great defensive play but then can't hold on to the ball, you know. But his decision-making has been questioned, you know. Times he'll just start dribbling, trying to, you know, go through guys as if he's some, you know, dominant, you know, like Kobe-esque two-guard, which he's not. I mean, there's been a lot to, to knock Buddy for, you know, and, you know, even if you want to knock his maturity a little, you know, some of his, you know, media comments and whatnot. There's been, you know, plenty to, but on these last few games, you got to give Buddy credit for this. One, a couple of years ago, you know, last season when De'Aaron was hurt, Buddy had some struggles when teams had focused on him as the focal point of the Kings offense. This year, well, it's a little different, number one. The roster's a little bit different around him. There's more space, you know, so on and so forth. You know, he's got Marvin, so he has more you know, help out there. But he's functioning a lot better with teams trying to take him away. Just kind of out of necessity, the Kings have had to put the ball in Buddy's hands more and let him be a decision maker, which has been a scary thought around the Kings. You know, but you have to rely on Buddy to make critical decisions <laughs> in a game. You know, with the ball, but they've done that lately. And Buddy's piling up assists. You know, in the pick and roll, he's hitting that pocket pass to the big man with with a great efficiency right now. He's he's rebounding, which he's always been a. You know, he's always been a a a solid rebounder. So there is that part of his game as well. So you 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 know, you gotta you know like that and just. He seems to be showing a, a new level of maturity on the court. Just with, like I said, with the decision making that, you know, he's going to the basket. That's been one of the things, too. Buddy takes over 70% of his shots from three, you know, but now he's attacking, you know, in, in those situations. And when he's, you know, when it's not there, he's getting off the ball. He's moving it. He's doing, he's making good decisions. So you have to, you know, give Buddy some a lot of credit for how the Kings have looked lately. And, you know, kind of the same way that Marvin's play bodes well for next season. Even if you throw in DeLon, the example he's shown, how that can carry over next season. Also, when he's back and give the team options. If Buddy Hill can be a guy who can be more multifaceted on offense, it opens up a lot of things for the Kings. It allows him to, you know, to be in position to make to be a decision maker, a playmaker. 
which a year ago, admit it, I'll admit to you to laugh at the idea of Buddy Hill, the playmaker, you know, unless the play was being made for himself. <laughs> and then, until, you know, along those lines as well, it just gives you so many more options and it makes him harder to defend. If you, you know, right, you know, if all you had to worry about is Buddy's going to shoot threes, okay, take away his three-point shot. He won't drive. He won't do this. He won't do that. He won't do that. He won't make good decisions with the ball. He'll turn it over. And some of those things are bound to still happen. But you, I do like from Buddy that I'm seeing a next step, a new level of maturity with his game as we move forward. So those are my King's takes for the... Uh, I guess for the for the episode, what we're going to move on to now is we're going to move on to dun, 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 dun. we're going to move to uh, music, you know, you know, and uh, what I decided to do this week was not so much focused on any particular <laughs> artist per se. I said, let's go back to 2006. Let's go back to the last time the Kings were in the playoffs. Let's go back to the last time where talking about the playoffs at the end of the season with the Kings wasn't worth, wasn't a joke or worth laughing at. So I went online, you know, the bastion of research to billboard.com and looked at the 2006 year in charts, you know, no, for, uh, for rap songs. So I think I'm going to go... I don't know if I want to go top to bottom. I think I'll start at 20, skip around. I mean, there's some... Uh, how about that? I'll go to 25. To give you an idea of... Uh, I'll go. From, uh, I'll actually start at number 24. There was a song that I thought was very weird and annoying back then, but I figured it wasn't for me. It was for a different crowd. Laffy Taffy by D4L. That's, that song was popping last the, the year the Kings last made the playoffs. North was still popular musically. Bow Wow. Yeah. The artist formerly known as Little Bow Wow, who then became known as Bow Wow, had was had the number 23rd most played song that year. What was it called? Fresh As I'm Is. Yeah. Bow Wow featuring Jay Quan and Jermaine Dupree. Do you remember that song? Hell, if you're a young enough fan, you weren't even around for that song, for be real. And as we continue to scroll up, we see some young Jeezy on here. Yeah, he's been, he's now just Jeezy, but you know, he was just young Jeezy. He had Soul Survivor featuring Akon at number 22 in, in, in airplay that year. Then 21 was a song I thought would have been higher. Stay Fly, 3-6 Mafia featuring Young Buck. Yo, I, I remember that song. And that song was popping. I thought that would be higher. Maybe Three Six Mafia is still a little too Memphis for people. Then you had Twenty Shauna getting some. You know that you know that song getting some head. You know y'all remember that song? She was getting some. Number nineteen. You had Jewel Santana, the whistle. There it go. The whistle song. Yeah, man, man. Shoot, Jermaine Dupri was all over the charts. Eighteen. I said I was gonna skip around, but I'm kind of going in order. You know, hitting almost all of them. I think they like me. Them franchise boys. Featuring the brat. <laughs> Jermaine Dupree. 
and Bow Wow. Yeah, see, Bow Wow was still hitting in 2006. That's how long ago it was. You ask somebody now, they don't know who the hell Bow Wow is, but he was the man in 2006. It's number 17 that year. Touch It, Buster Rhymes. That was also my jam. Man, I'm probably dating myself. You know, number 15, uh, T.I., Why You Wanna, you know, that was a big, that was actually a big year for T.I. too. You know, then we had at 13, Ludacris featuring Pharrell, Moneymaker. That was a fun song too. Number 12, a name that some of you may not remember or heard, Bubba Sparks, Miss New Booty. I don't know if he even had a hit after this, but yeah, that's I liked that song too back then. Yeah, that was you know that's the back that Bubba Sparks was a thing the last time the Kings were a playoff team. Number eleven that year, you and that E40 featuring T Pain and Candy. Now most of us know Candy from Real Housewives of Atlanta. You know, way before this song, she had been uh, she was with Escape. She's she's a hell of a songwriter. You know, got a ton of credits, but in 2006, she was popping up in the video with E-40. Oh, and T-Pain. And here's another one for y'all. Number 10, Riding, Chameleonaire featuring Crazy Bone. Chameleonaire is probably now better known for the story that, um, you know, that he guess he told about when he met Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan dissed him and wouldn't take no picture or something with him. I don't know if that story is even true, but it's tied to Chameleonaire all the time now. I guess he's a tech guy now. But in 2006, he was wearing a, a wave cap, you know, talking about riding dirty. Number nine that year, Shoulder Lean, Young Dro featuring T.I. I don't know if we... Do people do the Shoulder Lean anymore? I have no idea. Damn, that was a while ago. Another name uh, that was big... Back in 2006, Chingy. Do y'all know who Chingy is anymore? Probably not. But his song, Pulling Me Back, featuring Tyrese, now probably better known as an actor and a dude who cries a lot on Instagram. No, that was the number six hip-hop art rap song played in 2006. Number five, my man T.I., What You Know. That, you know, no, what you know about that. That was my song back then, man. I was really out there trying to, you know, I wasn't even 30 yet back then. So, yeah, I was still kind of halfway cool. Number four, Grills. Nelly with Paul Wall, Ali, and Gip from uh, Goody Mob. Do people wear grills still? I'm not aware of that. You know, I never had a grill. I don't think I ever would really want to wear a bunch of jewelry on my teeth anyway. But, yeah, does anyone wear grills anymore? Because in 2006, having a grill was really something big. Like, that used the shit if you had if you got a grill. So, it's, there's, a, there's a high possibility that a member of the Kings at that point might have been wearing grill, a grill to a playoff game. Think about that. Number three. Lean with it, rock with it. Them franchise boys. Man, what the hell happened to them? I mean, apparently they were pretty hot from 15 years ago. You know, I guess you, say you you know, you're lucky if you have one hit. They had two. Then uh, another song. I mean, I, I thought it might have been number one, but it was number two. Uh, Snap Your Fingers. Do Your Step. We Can Do It All By Yourself. You know, Lil John with E-40 Sean, and Sean Paul. Uh, wow, think about that. Man, 40 still on the charts now, though. 
But, you know, 40, this was kind of like at the age where for some people, not for us West Coast folks, we knew about 40, but it was almost like E-40 had like a, a resurgence in, in this year. When, you know, around this time with the whole hyphy movement, you know, before, you know, tell me when to go and all that. It's like when he had a resurgence and a lot of that had to do with his connection with Lil John. Like Lil John was out there giving West Coast artists life, whether it was him, whether it was Too Short, or you know, maybe it was giving this Bay Area rapper's life, you know. But either way, Lil John was doing the damn thing in 2006. And number one, the number one song, another now reality television star. You know, you've seen him with the with the perm, the little the little perm do. I don't know what the hell you call the hairstyle he had did that one time, but in 2006. Before he was known for reality TV and basically being a fuckboy and all that with his girl and all that, Young Jock had the number one rap song of the year with It's Going Down. You know, Meet Me at the Club is going down. Meet Me at the Mall is going down. Meet Me in the Trap is going down. That's who Young Jock was back then. Now, a lot of people associate him with reality television. Which I ain't mad. I love watching some good reality TV. I'll watch some Real Housewives of Atlanta. I'll watch some love and hip hop. You know, people say it's not high level intelligence in terms of entertainment. I really don't give a damn. I'm not watching TV to be to be uh, educated all the time. Sometimes I just want some good old fashioned entertainment, and reality TV has given me that. And clearly, the year 2006, and only producing some hip hop rap hits. There's a lot of people who ended up on reality television. T.I. ended up on reality TV. Nelly ended up, well, it was the real house husbands of whatever. That wasn't really reality. It was more like a, you know, play on it. But, yeah. So, that's all that was going on in the hip-hop world back the last time the Sacramento Kings were a playoff team. So, I hope you enjoyed that walk down memory lane. Uh, maybe we can talk about this again, you know, next episode, depending on how the Kings do. We can maybe look at some R&B. I don't know. Uh, maybe find some other interesting hip hop related things from 2006. So y'all know how it is. Uh, that's all I got for you this episode. Uh, thanks again to the people at the Basketball Podcast Network for giving all of us a platform to do what we do. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Underscore Jason Jones. You can find me on Instagram, Mr. Jones LBC. Do what you do. Hit me up. Let's chat. Let's rap. Let's have a good time. And I will talk to you when I talk to you again. You guys be good. You guys take care. I'm out. Peace.